This week on a lively experiment, after a big public backlash, Speaker Mattiello pulls funding for a controversial medical program. And one of Governor Raimondo's signature programs takes a big hit in the budget. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us this week, Brandon Bell, former chairman of the Rhode Island Republican Party, Brown University political science professor Wendy Schiller, and Pablo Rodriguez, associate professor at the Alpert Medical School. Welcome, everyone. I'm Jim Hummel. Thank you for spending part of your weekend with us. The budget being considered by the full House included some of what Governor Raimondo asked for, but left a lot of things out. We'll get to that in a moment. It was a million-dollar appropriation to a Cranston chiropractor with political ties to Speaker Mattiello to cover an alternative brain therapy program that has dominated much of the discussion the past few days. It is a procedure not covered by Medicaid. Mattiello decided to yank the appropriation, but stands behind the doctor, Victor Pedro. Uh, Wendy, this is why a lot of people have been advocating maybe for the line item veto. <laughs> That's a whole other issue. Uh, this really took off the last couple of days. Yeah, I mean, it's just fortunate that some digging discovered it. Uh, and I also don't understand. Mattiello was doing well this year. I mean, I really think after a tight election a couple of years ago and then a less tight election this time, he's navigated the waters. He got his car tax. He doesn't need, I would argue, to do these kinds of figures. It was it was total, you know, quid pro quo. You give me money, I'm a donor, and I'm going to put in a very expensive amount of money. You know, it's a billion, $10 billion budget, but nonetheless, a million dollars? For something that has not been uh, approved by Medicaid is, you know, just it's out and out, uh, you know, so distressing. I don't want to call it corruption. What I want to call it is a distortion of the expenditure of state money. What would you call it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would call it, I hope law enforcement watches this show because this has scam written all over it. You know, giving millions of dollars to a gentleman who's a chiropractor who has a zoology degree whose uh, former uh, lobbyist is, is uh, another scam, uh, someone who was involved in a scam, Frank Montanaro. Uh, this, is, uh, <laughs> this sounds like a scam, looks like a scam, it's probably a scam. And uh, fortunately, um, we di I disagree with the professor that this has been a good year for, for the speaker, uh, but this is just a stain. And for him to have pulled it so quickly, for him to have, after four hours of coverage, to say, I'm going to pull it out, but... I still think it's a great idea. And it's uh, on your head if somebody needs this procedure and they don't get it. Uh, give me the medical viewpoint and tell me how this works in terms of getting approved by the government, right? Right, so uh, the, the treatment in, in question is called cortical integrative therapy, which is a, a therapy that stimulates parts of the brain with lights and sound. Uh, and um, Dr. Pedro has been developing this over a number of years. The problem with the, the therapy is that it hasn't gone through the accepted um, um, levels of research and proof that this is actually a treatment that works. And for that, you need to do what's called uh, double-blind uh, placebo-controlled studies, which means that not even the patient nor the doctor knows that they are doing the therapy compared to people that are getting fake therapy. So just to see if this is a placebo effect or if this is something that actually works. Um, it most likely works for some people, 
the problem is that until you have those studies, you cannot get approval by Medicaid, by Medicare, or even by insurance companies. And they, so if he does the procedure, then the state taxpayers are filling in the gap because there's no other funding stream, right? That is correct. People that have Medicaid will not be able to access the, this, uh, this procedure, and that's what Mattiello is trying to, to, to make the point of. I think what struck me was this is not just a million dollars this year. It's almost $2 million. It's $1.75. Governor Kachiri took it out of the budget and it got put back in. Governor Raimondo took it out of the budget and this shows you what goes on up there and thank heavens for the reporters who were over this but you wonder what else is tucked into that budget. Right? Well a lot of things must be tucked into that budget. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge budget. And we're why didn't this come state. up earlier, right? Well because they protect their flanks. You know a lot of people have different things in there and nobody wants anyone to go through it with a fine tooth comb and you're right a line item veto would take care of this. On the other hand if you had a governor who had special relationships with people, maybe they wouldn't take stuff out of the budget. I, mean, I don't think it's a, a panacea to have a line on a veto in this case. I think there's, this is the poster child for the line on a veto, for sure. Uh, but, you know, how many other Dr. Pedros are there in this budget? Um, we may never know the answer to that. Uh, but what, what struck me as pretty incredible was earlier this week, uh, while the speaker was on his budget tour, talking about the, this late night, Friday night um, uh, display uh, that they did, um, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, he said, uh, I don't know what to cut. You know, my office is open. In all sincerity, come to my office if you have an idea what to cut. Well, guess what, Mr. Speaker? We're cutting this, this, this therapy that you're giving to one of your special donors. And, and I think that that's the, the, the real problem. You know, when you are facing a very, very difficult budget, when you are cutting programs that we know work, like the Institute for Nonviolence that has prevented gang violence in, in Providence for many, many years, um, you know, for you to put in such a large um, uh, assignment of dollars to a single individual, it does become problematic uh, for, for anyone. You know, even if the treatment works, even if there's merit to some of the treatments, uh, you have to be a little bit more uh, cognizant of that. Uh. Let's talk about the, the budget. It came out actually after, just after we taped. It came out last Friday night. We're taping on a Friday morning, so it's going to go to the House. I don't, you know, look, I think the cards are probably in for it passing. There's going to be a lot of discussion and, and it'll go through. The larger picture about what the governor got and didn't get, and you know, I think the most of the budget is kind of baked in already, but it's the last little, you know, fifty, hundred million dollars. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it's baked in, not all of it, right? I mean, we have so much federal money that comes through, and so, I mean, people are making a big deal that she not get the expansion of her college uh, program or on promise, but she also did get, at least to a limited extent, a pre-K, universal pre-K, or trying to get expansion of a universal pre-K. And that's really, really important. I mean, you, you can talk about this too. Studies show over and over again that if you get kids into educational programs earlier in their life, they do better as long as you stick with it across their educational K through 12. So it's really important. Other states are doing it, and it, it, it will help us with competitive edge as kids go through the educational system. So that was a win to get an expansion of that. I mean, that's one of those things that I and think that. And that backfilled a lot of federal money that was being taken apart. So they needed really to, to maintain because they lost some of the federal money. Your thought overall on the budget? Overall, we I only have. Well, this is only a half-hour <laughs> show, all right. <laughs> overall, try to confine your uh, keep keep focused here. It's another crappy budget. I mean, this is a, it's a bloated 
you know, bloated, bogus budget. It's, um, you know, $10 billion. You know, I still can't understand it. Just the most simple and most basic concept that we spend $9,000 per person here, but in Massachusetts it's 6000 in New Hampshire it's 5000 I don't understand Give why we can't get our spending under control. Where would I'd, you cut? I'd cut the General Assembly's budget, for, for starters. Which is upwards almost to $50 million yeah, $50 now. million, okay. for sure. There's no structural changes. We'll have structural deficits that go out. But another area, um, and there are just so many, but uh, we're, this is the fifth budget in a row in which we're approving uh, expansion of this corporate welfare, these corporate welfare programs. And we're approving them over and over again, and they have not proven to work. So why are we doing that? Why are we, you know, Governor Armando put that out there in 2015. It was approved, 16, 17, 18, 19. It's not a game changer. It's not doing anything to make us more competitive. No, but instead, let's, you know, make sure that we don't tax tampons. Let's, uh, you know, expand the uh, uh, Netflix tax. Um, you know, okay, we're not going to tax tampons, but it's not stopping the bleeding on, on the spending in this budget. Uh, I mean, I think that... Uh the, the problem with this budget, in my mind, is that we are not addressing the future uh, of, of the state. Which when is the recession hits, still, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and the fact that we are still so dependent on gambling uh, to, to support, you know, the state. You know, th all these f sources of funds can really go away very, very quickly. Just like we failed to, to estimate what uh, sports gambling was going to bring uh, to the state. I mean, it was supposed to be a panacea, uh, and yet, you know, it didn't. So I, I am very, very concerned for the future uh, because of not thinking of what are we going to do next year, mm -hmm. five years from now, ten years from now, once all these sources of funds uh, disappear. Before we move on, Wendy, what about the economic incentives? Because the, the, the speaker echoed actually some of what you said, believe it or not. We haven't seen, we've what? been giving a lot of the economic incentives. I'm going to pull back a little bit because I'm, right. I'm not concerned. Maybe construction isn't all commerce, what we, yeah. right, what we need to do. There are other sectors. On so the governor's been in for five years now, has gotten a lot of it. Are those tools translating in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's relatively small scale, right? So some companies that have come here, they hire 14 people, they hire 20 people, they hire 25 people. Those are good jobs, right? So this is not a 38 Studios. These are companies that have come and stay, and some of them have expanded. So uh, whether it's dollar to dollar, you know, worth it, then that's another story for the longer run. But we're not Wisconsin that gave um, uh, that company, um, or the Chinese company, I can't remember their name, I forgot, because they're not actually building, that's why I forgot their name. They got a $2 billion subsidy from the state of Wisconsin, and they have not even broken ground. This was a couple of years ago, and they're not going to build what they said they were going to build. And they've still gotten all sorts of benefits and subsidies, and it's turned out to be a big, like, nothing burger. So at least we haven't made a colossal mistake. And I do think that if you're working for one of those companies that has come into Rhode Island because of these expansions, and you have a good job, you think this is a good program. And the, and the governor can, can hang her hat on the fact that unemployment is at a, a, a one of the lowest rates in 30, year uh, in 30 years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she can point to, okay, unemployment is the lowest in 30 years. We have more people working. Uh, so, in some way, she has been successful. So that's, that's a double-edged sword yeah, because double Trump sword. claims, con cl claims uh, credit for the economy at the national level, the unemployment rate, and the Democrats say, no, 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 you can't claim credit. And then a Democrat governor claims credit for the same thing, sort of a national tide. So we have to be careful about credit claiming for that. But it is true, when people look at it, they think, well, she must be doing a decent job because people I know can find a job. The national economy is booming. 
we are the first in, we're the last out. We're still not out. We're, I, I don't understand what the game changers are here. And, you know, again, to do a status quo budget and not make any significant changes to our tax structure, to not make any significant changes to be competitive. And when I mentioned the General Assembly's budget, just by way of example, uh, you did a great story on this. It was like $45 million or $50 million for our General Assembly to operate. And, uh, you know, we have... Uh, a lot of part-time people with full-time benefits. Yeah, we have one-fifth the number of uh, uh, people in our General Assembly in New Hampshire, and, and it costs $19 million to run their General Assembly. And I think uh, maybe we talked about this once, that uh, they... You know, they, they evacuate the state house in the summer. I'm not sure how many people really come out of the out the out the doors. Okay, a couple. Although, although I, I think you, I mean, I, I have to disagree with you. I don't know that every dollar is spent perfectly. We know we've had instances of of corruption and people misusing benefits, college tuition breaks, and those sorts of things. However, if you want good government, you have to pay for good government to some extent. I think we should give uh, state legislators a raise. I think that if we want to attract really quality people, we can't. You know, the re conflict of interest arise because they it's a part time. I think Brain is not talking yeah. about the the legislature. Legislators themselves, as much as the staff, the yeah. layer, all uh, of the extra. You right. got 36 part-time lawyers who make full-time benefits. Yeah, the so. patronage that comes out of District 15, the Speaker's District, all of the jobs that are given uh, to people in that district. It's uh, it's it's ridiculous. All right. The uh, other issue that we thought was going to be dead a couple of weeks ago, the abortion issue, went through in lightning fast. Uh, I had actually written the panel. I said this could be passed by the time we tape. The governor was like doing overtime, signing the budget. But I was paying attention to something else, and all of a sudden they're having a signing ceremony. This did take away a lot of time, though, from other stuff. I mean, I know you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Are you surprised by the resurrection in the Senate? No, I think the progressives in 2018 showed some muscle, I think even in hints of it in 2016. And I think given the progressive movement across the country in the Democratic Party, I think people generally thought if we don't do this, we may get more primary challenges than we thought. And we saw that a couple of established people were knocked off in a primary last time. And it looks, you know, more and more likely that the, the court is going in a particular direction. And you look at Georgia, you look at Alabama, you look at Mississippi, you look at Louisiana, you look at all these states, and, and you can argue with this, but as the economy changes and as business changes and attitudes change, if you are a more progressive state, you are more likely to attract things like tech and tech startups and more progressive-minded companies. So it's not just about abortion. It's also about the climate of Rhode Island and how uh, tolerant it is. And it's a very tough issue. There's no question about it. But I think this was something I thought, you know, it would be tough for Ruggiero to block, even though he voted against it. Uh, I thought it was going to be tough for them to quash it this time. Were you, I mean, there must have been rallying the troops the last couple of weeks. What happened? Absolutely. There's been a lot of activity by a number of groups um, just basically contacting the legislators. And really, the, the, the surveys that have been done have are very clear. The majority of Rhode Islanders, the majority of Americans want to uh, preserve the protections of Roe versus Wade. Uh, and this is what this uh, bill and this now law does. In case Roe versus Wade is eliminated at the federal government, the state of Rhode Island is not going to change. Uh, and all these concepts of, you know, this is an expansion on, on, on abortion rights, it, it was all completely fake. Yes, sir. I don't even know how to break that down. I, I disagree 100%. Um, it is an expansion. Um, at what the doctor said, which made perfect sense to everybody, I think, watching this could agree that if, if Roe v. Wade were overturned, if, 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 it's not happening. It hasn't happened. It's, it's been all but one year of my life, the law of the land, uh, 46 years. I, I, I can't understand how you can make the argument that uh, it's going to happen, even when you point to states like Louisiana and Alabama and Mississippi, 
Um, it, 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 there's nothing pending before the United States Supreme Court whatsoever. So how it could is it be an expansion? expansion. How could it be an expansion if it's not overturned? It's. Uh, uh, Bob, what we're talking about here is is what the, we're talking about the late-term abortions. The majority of Americans, the majority of Rounders, do not agree with late-term abortions. Okay, there are vague health reasons. Uh, now you put a, a, a note in the doctor's file. Uh, I'm not going to argue with the doctor about what that entails, but what I will say is, is that, you know, even Massachusetts has a substantial and grave impairment. At least they have uh, some protections in the law about what the health means instead of the vague reasons. Why are we repealing fetal homicide? Not to rehash every aspect of, of this horrible law, but why are we repealing fetal homicide? This felony assault substitute doesn't make absolutely any sense to, to, you know, to, to repeal the fetal homicide. There's so many aspects of this that are um, it's so sad. And, and to see this celebrating is uh, for such a somber and reprehensible um, a law and not protecting the unborn. Our, our state senate and our, our state representatives care more about protecting animals. Our furry friends got another bill in their favor yet just yesterday in the, uh, in the, in the House of Representatives. Yeah, but the, this, this disrespects the women and the families that are dealing with very, very severe conditions that require abortions after viability. We call them late-term abortions. That's not a term. Uh, that exist in medicine. These are abortions after viability and and the overwhelming majority of these cases are people that are facing congenital malformations that are incompatible with life um, and, and conditions in the mother that require an abortion. And this is, doesn't, this is not done at clinics. This has to be done at Women and Infants Hospital. It's the only provider in the state. And for a while I was the only provider uh, providing those procedures uh, many years ago. Uh, this is not something that people do willy-nilly. Families don't make these decisions willy-nilly, and doctors don't make these decisions willy-nilly. Uh, and I think it's really insulting to providers, it's insulting to women, uh, to, to think that someone, you know, is going to have a baby at 40 weeks and all of a sudden deciding, oh, an hour before I deliver, I'm going to have an abortion, which is what Donald Trump, uh, you know, uh, intimated in one of his, his speeches. That's all completely, absolute. What about the larger issue, Wendy, about so some of the states pushing it in Alabama, Georgia? Is it clear they're trying to get a case to the Supreme Court? Yeah, well, it's clear they want to outlaw abortion in their states, and they've been, you know, creepingly doing that anyway. It's been creeping that way because they've been uh, ramping up the requirements for abortion providers to be associated with hospitals, and then hospitals say no. So they've been already eliminating the opportunity in North Dakota, for example. I think you can't get one. There's no providers. Uh, in Missouri, we know the last abortion clinic has now been kept open by a judge. This is, and you say it hasn't been overturned yet, but there are women who will become uh, pregnant accidentally through rape, through incest, whatever the circumstances, after the Supreme Court says it's not protected anymore and before Rhode Island can pass uh, protection for it. So there'll be women caught in that trap who won't be able to get uh, an abortion early in their pregnancy. I'm not talking about late term. And so I think when you say wait till it's overturned, you can't wait till it's overturned because there are p women who will not be able to what access about the, the service. What about the trigger? Senator Rautakis had talked about a trigger. Is that practical? To have a trigger law? Uh, or, or at what point does that no, happen? No, I mean, this is a, you either believe there's a fundamental right to choose, and Rhode Island is a state where that will be protected, or you don't. And, and, and the forces that believe that it should be defeated the forces that didn't. I mean, that's what happened. But you have to think about this. Millennials are getting older. They're going to settle down. They're going to decide where they want to work. Companies are deciding. It's becoming politically and economically expensive for companies to locate in states with really, really draconian abortion laws, right? So uh, film companies are pulling out of Georgia now because of the commercial effect. 
effect. They're worried about it going viral, and, the, and their entire generation of millennials will be their customers, and now Generation Y grow up and say, we're not going to touch your company because you're not on our side of the issue. So that's an issue for people who are anti-abortion. I, I totally respect the view. The issue is, how do you persuade the majority of people, we're a democracy, and also commercially, all the people who are growing up, you know, they, they are like, no, we don't want a part of it. Not so much because they need it, because I think they have other forms of birth control that they use, to be frank. It's because they view it as a backward policy. And so that's a battle that I think is going to continue to rage across the country. But Rhode Island, for the moment, in terms of the progressive future, is on the sort of progressive side of that, of that coin. All right, I'll give you the last two words, Bill. Uh, and, and I believe that, uh, that the problem with this entire um, uh, discussion is that there's so much missing information um, and uh, about exactly what's in the law about exactly what's in the law about exactly what is achieved uh, and exactly what abortion is um, and, and abortion after viability is and I think that um, that we need to trust our medical experts we need to trust the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology the American College of Pediatrics the American Psychological Association groups of professionals that don't have a specific agenda for or against but that can speak to the need that can speak to the indications that can speak to the, to what really should be talking about it's a medical procedure it's healthcare all right you get the final words I, 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 I can't understand the argument that abortion is healthcare I'm still having a hard time with that um, having said that I, I, I I'm looking at this from the perspective of what Wendy just talked about which is that suddenly now the state is going to be more competitive because we're more progressive when it comes to uh, aborting babies I I don't know. I mean, to me, that doesn't do anything for us economy-wise. We spent this entire session, uh, besides some of the bad bills that passed um, economically with evergreen contracts and firefighter overtime, and now we're talking about, oh, well, now come to the state because we're going to allow well, for abortion. Well, I think her abortion. point was, and it's what babies is not the point. The point is that w it's a woman's right to choose. It's a woman's body, and women, women, young women, middle-aged women, older women, women are are voicing their concerns and their needs at the at the ballot box uh, economically in ways that we haven't seen right, in over a decade. And this is a woman's issue as much as it's not about aborting babies. I think it, most, if not all, women you talk to would prefer never to have to have an abortion or never support an abortion. It's not something people want to do. Women had the right to do it yesterday. They have the right to do it today and they have the right to do it tomorrow. And this is all because of President Trump. Every This is this whole well, Depending movement. on where they live. Not well, in Alabama, not in Mississippi, well, not in Louisiana, not in North Dakota, is, not in so Missouri. We, we need to acknowledge the fact that this is not something new. Abortion has been... It was supposed to be safe, legal, and rare for the last 46 years, 47 years. Mm -hmm. And what's changed? Nothing has but changed number, except yes, Trump was elected abortion, and we have two yes, conservative judges. What's changed? The number of abortions has gone down. I'll the leave number, you to the, the, the number, number of abortions has the drastically doctors, gone down. The number of teenage clinics. pregnancies have gone down because of availability of birth control, something the Republican Party doesn't want to do either. So I'm just saying you can't have it all ways. If you're going to block contraception, you're going to block access to birth control, you're going to block sex ed, and then you're going to block abortion, I don't know what world you're going to live in. Well, I, I'm not going to talk about every aspect of, of, of birth control and contraception. What I'm saying Thank is, you. is that... They, I, no, <laughs> I would say is that abortion, a response from the Republican Party. But abortion no, being used as health care is a typical response of the progressive wing. It's not being the used progressive as health care. It's about... A, it's no, they, about they're celebrating. Uh, you got one senator saying her heart is exploding that this is now the law. Well, you got one, one senator saying that, you know, that he is pleased with this compromise, right, that so you can put a doctor's note in, in a file. 
to get a late term I think, abortion. I think you and I can agree that celebrating heart is exploding. I think that kind of language maybe could have been a little bit uh, restrained. I agree with you. Out Cheering of in the house and okay. screaming But, to, but it's a joy. misread by the Republican Party. I don't mean to point. The misread by the Republican Party to suggest that this is at the core of it and that to suggest that this isn't a fundamental core issue to women, to young women, and that it's not a package as well to a lot of other things that women feel are restricting their their uh, right to choose, their their everything in their life. And I think this is the misread that will either manifest itself in 2020 and beyond or not. The celebration, not the, celebration, the celebration is about the moral agency of women. It's not about abortion. It's about the ability of women to be able to be just like men, be in control of their bodies and in control of their medical decisions. That may be your celebration, but that's not what I was hearing at the State House for the last few months. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, outrages as if we don't have an outrage. <laughs> Is enough outrage? Wendy, do you have an outrage this week? Um, yes, it's something I've been working on, and um, it, it combines guns and domestic violence. Uh, a, a police officer in Sacramento was shot to death yesterday. A 26-year-old woman was shot to death responding to a domestic violence call, and the man had a gun, he had a rifle, and he was shooting for hours. He shot her, and then he finally was subdued. If we don't do something about both domestic violence and the interaction of guns, which Rhode Island actually has been much better on, we classified misdemeanor to domestic violence, which means you can't have a gun if you're convicted of misdemeanor at the state level. So there are a lot more things to be done, but this is something that hurts families, it hurts children, it hurts police officers, and it's something we have to pay much more attention to and we don't pay enough. Brandon, what do you have? Um, I have a few. Um, how much time? Uh, so <laughs> so I, I, I find it to be incredible that one of the amendments on the abortion bill the other night on the Senate floor uh, was talking about um, inspecting uh, by the Department of Health inspections. And I learned the other night that McDonald's has more Department of Health inspections than abortion clinics. In fact, I believe if the facts are correct that were presented the other night, that uh, Planned Parenthood was uh, inspected twice and in the last year, and once was because they moved. Uh, so that was just a required inspection. So I, th I find it absolutely incredible that we don't have inspections, that, we, that the health department uh, doesn't have regulations in place for that, and that the uh, opposing or the people that were proponents of the bill uh, were so adamantly against having these inspections as part of the as part of the bill. Uh, can I go on? Quickly. Okay. Um, the, the, reason, the reason that um, we talked about Republican and Democrats, the reason that the pro-choice, pro-life Democrats rather, um, enabled this and allowed this to happen, the, the abortion bill, is because it's all about power. It's all about power. They made a deal. Um, Nick Mattiello probably made a deal for 50 votes on, on his budget. This is why it happened so quickly, because the budget's being debated tonight. Uh, and it's all about power. Um, it goes back to uh, a story that we all know. Pontius Pilate uh, washed his hands. Um, he washed his hands uh, when Jesus was crucified. He did that so he can preserve his power. My goodness, I don't think we've had that reference. What do you have? So Federal Court of Appeals just uh, upheld a Trump administration rule for Title X uh, providers, which are the, is the program that provides family planning for four million poor women in the United States. This uh, new rule forbids uh, the uh, uh, providers of abortion to be also be providing contraception under this under this plan. So, in essence, removing Planned Parenthood from the entire Title X program, and it provide it, it, it not it doesn't permit anyone to refer someone for an abortion if that woman is asking for a referral. This is what the, the administration is looking for, and providing funds for abstinence uh, programs that we know do not work. 
Wendy, Pontius Pilate aside, what is your thought about that analysis in terms of the speaker? Because remember we talked at the beginning of the uh, semester, the beginning of the session about the progressives and how yeah. he was going to navigate that and mm -hmm. the women in the, and all of that. Mm -hmm. What do you think about how he's navigated that? This? Well, I, mean, I actually think that he, you're not going to like this answer. I think he's navigated it well. I mean, I think he saw the writing on the wall and he thinks he can do more good for the state of Rhode Island and he enjoys being speaker than not. So you agree with me partially. Yeah, no, it's I mean, I think he cut a deal, but it's but, not but just the, the power. Process. But that's the process. And he also sees if it's majority He's opinion in the state and it's majority opinion in his party, maybe not in the legislature per se, but in the party itself, then he's a party leader and sometimes you have to go with the majority. But he said and he was going to be but he said he's going to be a firewall. He hasn't even been a speed bump. So to the extent that this was a that was his that was his speech in January. I will be a firewall against these progressive ideas. He hasn't even been a speaker. You get the last 30 seconds. Uh, I believe that he's done a good job, you know, in navigating so many competing interests. Uh, you know, Dr. Pedro's situation aside, that's the speed bump I, I see. But, uh, but otherwise, I think that he's been able to navigate uh, a very, very difficult environment, you know, right. competing all interests. All right, folks, that is all the time we have. It's the fastest 30 minutes you will watch this weekend. Brandon, thank you for helping contribute to that. Wendy. And, Doctor, good to see you again. Thank you for your medical ex expertise. Folks, thank you for watching every week. We love bringing the show to you. If you can't see us on Friday or Sunday, check us out online. And now we have a podcast, so you can take us along with you. Brandon, you can download that right after the show. Uh, we will be back here next week as a lively experiment continues. Have a great week, everybody. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by. For 30 years, A Lively Experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program.